0: Supercharge your deal building experience with Accelerate My Deal when connected across Autotrader and KBB.com listings and Dealer.com websites. It helps deliver predictive and personalized experiences for you and your consumers. Book your NADA demo today. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the Auto Remarketing Podcast. This episode originated from Used Car Week 2023 in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's a panel discussion titled, The Changing Landscape of Repossession Management. Leading the discussion is Susie Straffin from Allied Solutions, and it features JJ Amick of United Recovery and Remarketing. Justin Connors of Primaritis Financial Services, and John Houston of Flying A Information Resources. Let's get right to the conversation. And welcome back to Use Car Week 2023. We thank you so very much for joining us for our our next session titled The Changing Landscape of Repossession Management. So please welcome back to the stage to lead our discussion, Susie Straffin with Allied Solutions. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Nick. Welcome everyone to the session. Um, it's going to be a good one. Um, we have an extremely knowledgeable group of folks here today um, to help us work through this complicated topic. My name is Susie Straffen. I'm the director of finance company markets for Allied Solutions. To my left, I have uh, JJ Amick, client and vendor supervisor with United Recovery and Remarketing. And then we have Justin Connors, the COO of Primaritus Financial Services. And then finally, we have John Houston, EVP, Flying A Information Resources. So welcome our panel, please. Thank you. All right, we're gonna get started. We have a limited amount of time and a lot of things to discuss. So thank you all for joining us today. Um, Did a lot of preparation for this panel and um, it goes by quickly, so we wanna get started right away. So we have a couple of objectives today. Um, really, the first is to understand what the key issues are key issues are facing the repossession agencies in that environment today and then to talk a little bit about what some strategies could be for us all to work together to get a healthy repossession market lenders customers vendors all of us working together to improve the current situation so uh, we will dive right in. So as we know, the current state is, um, of the environment is, is tenuous. Um, we've heard the same thing in the, in the past couple of days and consistent themes. Interest rates, uh, rising inflation combined with rising vehicle prices have really resulted in a subprime affordability crisis. Um, delinquencies are escalating, repossessions are escalating, and this is causing a lot of um, struggle in the market. Um, combine that with the regulatory pressures on a federal and state level, and it really creates the, the perfect storm. So we're going to talk through all that today and then talk through how this impacts uh, the repossession market. So we're going to start uh, to my left with JJ. Um, let's talk through some of the challenges. Really, we, we were able to nail it down to, to two major factors in our prep for this panel, but there's a lot within both of those topics. So, um, JG we'll start with you. So, let's talk about some of the financial constraints and then the storage and transportation um, impacts and challenges that you guys are seeing.
2: I think agents nationwide, regardless of geography, have all experienced the same things economically that consumers have. Uh, so, we've got rising fuel costs, um, the cost of equipment, um, the costs to staff your office. All of those things are um, extremely, Uh, taxing on an agent in order to staff and properly run their business. Um, What we haven't seen is is kind of that compensation that accounts for those increases. So um, we're finding that agencies are um, very choosy with their work and prioritizing those things, but I I think the larger conversation is how do we create a sustainable financial model um, that supports the industry and supports the common goal that we have to, to increase performance.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, JJ's right. I mean, this is uh, an incredible gross margin crunch on the industry. And what's happened is the agencies have really, I think, pulled back on the level of servicing. Um, you know, versus pre-pandemic, there's a lot more. If you look at the coverage area for most recovery agents, the number of recovery agencies, how often they would run assignments. That, that that gross margin crunch has really, I think, shifted that behavior to being, as JJ was mentioning, you know, being ch- uh, picky and choosy about what they work. Uh, we've seen decline rates skyrocket, I think, for all of our businesses. That's one of the hardest aspects today is finding someone to run some uh, something, you know, you know, Know, if we had the first time, the second and third time now, uh, and those and, and today what we're trying to drive I think the behavior we're trying to look to drive is figuring out how to make it sustainable for them to make extra efforts or accept orders and take a chance because in today's model there' there's, there's too much risk in accepting an order that you do not have confidence in, in running, and that then leads to I think less uh, from a recovery performance and less loss mitigation at the lender side of the business
4: yeah, I think that's um... You know, one of the most important things that we're looking at right now also is, you know, how do you get the attention on the accounts that we're running um, in the environment that we're in? I've been in a couple different uh, sessions today, and everybody's talking about, you know, just kind of shrinking and making sure that, you know, the agencies are taking care of their footprint and being able to service and being more choosy, utilizing scorecards, you know, and there's a lot of different variables that go in those scorecards. I know I've talked with Justin a lot about. Uh, I've floated it out to a lot of lenders in the audience about discussing close fees again. You know, um, I like to pride myself in in letting agents know that I'm not going to ask them to do something without paying for it. Well, I'm kind of asking you not to get paid on 70% of the accounts that you're running, right? So, I just I think there's a conversation there. Justin just mentioned declines. I just I mean we're a small shop. I had 380 declines yesterday you know so there's a lot of extra work that goes in there for our people to go in and try to find a way to get them reassigned
3: and if i can add to that it, well, i think the scary part about the declines are is that we go back in and we try to start asking agents to, to accept those orders but I don't know how many of them are being accepted and parked because they don't have confidence to invest the fuel cost or the manpower to go run them, and it's really scary not knowing what's being worked and what's not being worked. There's no real good way in it, in the current landscape to do that, but there are ways with technology going forward that we can I think solve for some things like that.
2: And I think even more than you know the decline rates, I think agents are looking strategically at the work they're accepting and understanding um, you know what those different revenue streams on that assignment are going to look like. Um, do I have the ability to cut keys? Uh, do I have you know, the ability to transport? Do I get a redemption fee? Do I get a personal property fee? Those are all services that are performed at an agency level, um, and they all are time-consuming and, and take the staff to do it. So I think it's important to understand what's that compensation look like on all of those additional line items, and you know, do I come out ahead at the
1: end? We had talked a little bit in our prep about, you know, how to, how to incentivize, I guess maybe isn't the right word, but, but how, to, how to get the agents to take the assignments, right? And so um, other than compensation, uh, which, you know, may or may not be one of the ways to go, um, what are some other things that uh, we can look at to, to drive the acceptance of the assignments and, and to raise that performance and to get that extra Four or five percent of the assignments filled.
4: I think the incentive is like a great starting point, right? I mean, we're looking at we're looking at a lot of different things uh, from a data perspective, and what we're noticing is, you know, we get through. We have so many new accounts coming in. We get to a certain point, we park the accounts, and then we start working them again differently. Um, And we're seeing the cars that we're picking up are actually being picked up at the addresses that we had initially. So getting that touch point up earlier on, um, I think is, and I don't know the answer. Look, I I may say some pretty bold things up here um, (laughs) as we start to test. uh, But I want to see how that effect uh, enhances our touches. I don't think we're getting the touches on the accounts uh, on the front side. And, and we're a skip shop, so you know I'm further down the line. Everything's a little bit outside the lPR footprint you know, so i'm asking a lot of our agents um, so i I'd, I'd be curious to
3: see so if I, if I, don't, if, like, I think it's really we've got to incent the right behavior right so right now there's a lot of incentives, and, and we're big fans of incentive, especially I think in the current economic climate uh, but one of the challenges with the current incentive model is that it's it's you know, with the agents, really, they're picking and choosing what what, uh, what accounts they feel most confident to run, and we're incentivizing on the ones that they're probably already going to run anyways. And that's where I, I think we go back to kind of the close fees. It's the accounts that are not being run that's costing everybody money. Um, and so we've got we to really kind of take a look at that, and if you look at some of the incentive programs out there, and you look at a very nominal close fee, it, it would be you know a wash or or in some ways i think the lenders would spend less money on some of these incentive programs to pay a close fee and i think the results would be better because you'll have more likely to run an account and take the risk and run it more often because this is really it's a game of odds right we have two moving assets that have to be in the same exact location at the same time for a repossession to occur so it really is a matter of being there often you know if you know we could probably pick up hundred percent of cars if we if we could afford to stake someone out in front of someone's house but that's obviously not realistic so what we have to do is figure out how to get more runs more often up to frequency uh, and then I think additionally I think we have to you know create a model that allows agencies to expand their business because market share is not an incentive anymore agents are basically at that at capacity they don't want more market share they want the right market share. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we have to figure out how to incent them and how to incent them to grow their business and uh, we got to, you know, I think, stave off the curve that's happening of more agencies leaving this business than than coming back into it because it's not financially viable, especially coming back in and building one up from the start. Compliance is through the roof and it's back in the day you could easily, you know, just go buy a tow truck and rent some space and you're good to go it 's not that easy anymore, so it, it, the, the barrier of entry to become a repossession agent, especially when that 's going to qualify for any one of our companies it 's difficult, especially at today 's margins. When
1: well, you talk about you know when we have to cut corners with less staff, what risk comes into play, especially with all of the CPB, CFPB regulation around the repossession process and um, making sure that that process is tight and it just sounds like that 's not something we can afford to do is. Is to skimp on that process because it opens us up to to further litigation and regulation and all the all the ATIOs that we don't want, right? So, um, can you talk a little bit about maybe some of that risk?
2: Do you want to? Well, I, I know from a forwarder perspective, with with all of the increase, um, you know, focus on compliance. Uh, from a lender level, we are getting scrutinized on everything. Um, and in turn, we're going back to our agent networks and, and talking with them about best practices and how to tackle these different items. Um, and it's not easy, it's a challenge. Again, it takes people, it takes um, technology solutions. It, it, it's a lot of key factors that come into play in order to make that successful for everyone and compliant for everyone. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think the other thing too is, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's not a glamorous job. It's a tough job to be out there in the field as a repossession agent. Uh, not, it's not, cut for, uh, not everyone is cut out for it. Um, the turnover's high, right? Because it's not, you know, how do you, you know, I, I look at that one. it's kind of joking the other day, is I was having lunch at Panda Express and it's $20 an hour plus full benefits and you get free lunch every single day or you can go repo cars. Right, and so it, it's, it's you know, finding a way to make it sustainable that, that this becomes a business that's worth the risk and I think the, the, the struggle that, that recovery agents go through out there, because turnover I think is gonna be a real issue. Compliance is hard, it's hard to learn. Um, and as you have people rotating in and new people coming in, that's where mistakes happen.
4: Yeah, I think the shrinking bandwidth has a lot, uh, a lot to do with a lot, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about invoicing, also. You know, you got the risk piece. Invoicing is a nightmare. I, uh, I floated the close fees at, at our shop, and and our controller looked at me and she's like, "Are you crazy? You know, how many more people I'm going to have to hire to do that many closes every month?" And and I was like, "I guess I didn't think about it, but you know." All of these things have a domino effect on, on risk also, because once you start cutting corners, you know, it's it just kind of snowballs.
3: Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the revenue generators have to be the primary resource that the recovery agents have. And what you get, you know, what I have you know concerns about is as the margins continue, as the prices continue to rise, the margins continue to shrink, it's gonna come from this ancillary stuff, right? The quality of that's gonna come out of that. And and that's where we're going to run into additional risk. And and it's a really tough position for the recovery agents to be in, right, because they have to figure out how to sustain a business, uh, and they're going to find ways to do it.
1: Um, And we talked, too, about some of the expectations that are now facing some of the repo agents. Um, For instance, in Illinois, the State Bill 800, which is requiring repo agents to clear the data, the customer personal data, out of those vehicles. Um, So it seems like you know, the, the, the divide is getting bigger. You know, the risk is getting heavier and the expectations are getting higher. So um, can you guys comment on that?
2: Well, I think that that goes back to the compliance piece, yeah. right? We, we continue to have um, laws like this one that come up. We continue to have uh, lenders come back to us and say, hey, my auditor has this extra thing that we need you to do now. Um, and so we're pushing all those things down, and the expectation um, is is getting higher for what we're expecting agents to accomplish. Um, but there's, there's there has to be some... Um, sort of compensation to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't continue to, to ask for additional items um, and, and not expect someone to, to say, hey, look, I'm at my limit, I, I, can't, right. I can't do this anymore. Right.
4: Yeah, I think, again, we just kind of come back to the whole financial aspect of this, right? I mean, we gotta pay for what we're asking people to do. What that number is, I think it's gonna take a lot of communication um, to try to figure out You know, all the moving parts to get to the right
3: Spot. Yeah, I think mostly what I hear from our uh, recovery partners is really is that they're providing a service and they want to be compensated appropriately for it. Um, you know, I think they've been pretty fair in the conversations we've had about, you know, the cost of those, uh, of those fees, especially like in Illinois. I think they've, they've been, I think, trying to be, um, I think, cognizant of it. That's an additional expense, but they are providing a service. Um, and so I think it is, we work with, you know, a lot of the state associations or national associations to try to... Uh, decide like what are the best practices in in the space. I think we need to continue to do that, continue to have dialogue. Uh, I know we've had great conversations with the ARA. They've been very helpful with us as we kind of try to navigate the current situation. And additionally, a lot of the state associations, we worked with specifically with the Illinois uh, State Association as well. So I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of conversation has to be happening. We've got to look at how we can provide the service in a sustainable, and I think probably not even just sustainable, but in a growth pattern, especially in today's world. Uh, you know, we need growth in this space, right? Especially with, I think, what's, what's happening in the, you know, greater macroeconomic climate. And, you know, we're gonna see repossession uh, volume increase and there's just not enough volume, uh, there's not enough providers to do it effectively. Supply and demand. No.
1: So that's a pretty pretty decent list of issues facing the industry. Let's Let's switch tactics here a little bit and talk about how we as a market can contribute to some of the solutions uh, that you've just raised here. So, um, JJ, I'll start with you. What are some of the best practices that you think could be applied to this, these issues that may, may help the situation?
2: Um, I think communication is really key, right? Um, uh, lenders need to be very um, transparent and specific about what the expectation is, and I think that flows down to a forwarder level as well. Um, Communicating with your agents, building that relationship, understanding what the expectation is, Um, but also, um, I think as a forwarder, part of it for us is you know we've we've got to talk to our agent network. We have to learn from them and understand what they're going through, Um, and part of that is to relay back to the lender as well. There's got to be some level of understanding, um, you know, because. At a lender level, something you think would work really great and be a great solution, an agent can look at that and go, "That there's no way we can handle that." So there's got to be some of that back and forth there, so that we can learn from each other um, and understand how best to move forward.
3: Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm going to keep focused on the financial model because I don't think long term, at the trajectory that we're at, that this is really a sustainable model, and eventually, it's something's going to have to give. Um, and, you know, John and I mentioned, you know, closed fees as a, as, as a potential solution. Um, you know, again, I, I think it prioritizes the behavior that we want them to have, and that's to run it. And there are ways in today's technolo- uh, with today's technology to validate that effort's being done on accounts. Uh, and most of us can have ways to show uh, with, you know, all the technology partners with geo-updates and things like that. Um, and if not that model, then we need to take a look at another model. Uh, a tricky one that's out there um, is like an all-in one, a single fee. I think the challenge with that though is, is what we've learned from, from you know, the pandemic is, is how quickly the economic market can change. And that's a really difficult model, I think, for anybody, I think, at this level or, or at the agency level, I think, to accept and forecast what that looks like. Uh, it's really risky. Uh, for some of, the, I can tell you, from some of the models that we were on on that, it flipped real quick. Uh, with the increase in cost and increase of services or the lack of, pr- of production that was coming out of there. It was challenging, we had to make some really difficult decisions. Um, so I think there needs to be a lot of discussion around the financial model, what, are, what services are we providing, what KPIs, because I do not think that a, today's model matches what the KPIs are set for the industry or the expectations that I think uh, that we all have for the industry. So I think a lot of discussion around that would be, I think, uh, welcomed.
4: Yeah, I mean it's hard to, to pick any one of those three, right? I think they all go hand in hand and I, I feel strongly about all three of those first points. I'm gonna just go with technology because that's the one that's kind of left, right? Um, I think there's a lot of new platforms, uh, you know, data related that are coming online that are gonna give us a clear picture of what's going on in the industry. Um, from a repo agent standpoint to a transporter standpoint and being able to marry those things and, and create a more cohesive uh, environment or handoff, you know, between those three. But I mean, communication, financial, and, and the tech are all, I think, equally as important.
1: Are you seeing any specific creative solutions that any of the lenders are applying or, or talking to you about or, or any anything new that you haven't really seen before or that you that you like, the way it's going, anything that you care to share here?
3: I think there's a lot of discussion right now. I think, you know, the, the solutions I think that are initial out there are kind of these incentives that are based on, on a recovery, we'll pay X more, uh, or maybe some fuel surcharges on, on recovery or so. Uh, we are having a lot of discussions around different financial, uh, financial models that may be sustainable or offer more sustainability, but I don't think we've seen anything implemented just yet. Uh, for for many of those um, um, in, in incentives that we have out there, I think we're kind of at this. We, they're tried and true. We work, they, you know, they've worked in the past. I think, but what I do think we need to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more bold right now. I think just to kind of curve the current trend.
2: Well, for an agent to really plan and look, you know, monthly at their results for each one of their lien holders, whether it's direct or forward, or um, you know, they're looking to uh, focus on the work where they where they can make the most money and where they perform the best. Um, And I don't think that, you know, with the incentives, they've they've been great. I don't think that we need to minimize the impact that those have had on the industry, and I think they're appreciated. Um, But I think what agents want is a long-term solution. How do we best plan moving forward? And when you have things like incentives kind of just hanging out there, um, you, you don't have some assurance of when does this end. So it makes it very difficult to strategize and plan.
4: That's definitely like one of the big things. I, I heard it this morning, Pierre Jennings said it, right? He said, you can't build a church for Easter Sunday, right? So, and I, I think that rings true across the board. Uh, how do we ask agents to staff up and buy all these expensive trucks? We don't know where this thing's gonna go. I mean, we've been through it before, right? It's up and down, there's a runoff, there's you know, less accounts coming in, there's more regulation. So it just, it just makes it tough. How do you argue or how do you try to convince somebody to grow when you don't know how sustainable this, this actually is?
1: Right. Can you comment a little bit on, we, we've talked through these, these points here, but um, recognition of these roadblocks, do you think there's enough concern in the industry now about where we are and what the critical points are? I mean, I don't, and you guys can speak to this, but I don't know that we've seen this level of um, staffing uh, reduction you know in a long time um, do you do you think the criticality of what's happening now is being recognized and, and addressed appropriately or can you comment on that
3: I think there's a lot and a lot of the conversation I have is people think this is gonna blow over I think there's a lot of the wait till things go back to pre-pandemic um, and I don't think it is I don't think it will go back to pre-pandemic it's you know you know, I don't. I don't know if you guys, but you know, I don't, you know, rarely inflation goes backwards, um, and so I think there's a lot of hesitation. I think there's a lot of kind of, you know, crossing your fingers hoping that things are going to turn, um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to. It's going to continue to move in the direction that it's moving in today. Uh, it certainly has slowed down, but I think, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that, but. no.
4: I don't see it slowing down. I mean, I just, uh, month over month, I just see the numbers continuing to to rise. And I just, you know, different meetings I've been in this year, uh, I've heard forecasters say, you know, we're getting through the subprime right now and prime's getting ready to hit next, you know. So 2024, we're supposed to start seeing the prime markets uh, coming down. And I'm not a doom and gloom guy, but there's got to be you know repercussions to
3: the pandemic and, 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 and I think it's really scary too, right, because you know we just you know we have a, a, a couple times a week an agent tells us they can't store cars they have to shut down over the weekend or they shut down at ten o'clock at night, uh, and you know most of the recoveries happen overnight, um, and they do not have the capacity to expand their business or so back to the point with the incentives that's a big investment to to be made, knowing that your revenue model may change soon um, and so that then leads to, and then part of that has led to this, uh, the transport challenge, right? The cars just sitting in lots for entirely too long. Um, you know, there's a lot of fear, like, why am I getting charged storage? I assure you, I don't think the agents would rather, the, the agents would rather the vehicle be moved quickly and not build a storage so they can rotate inventory and generate revenue. Um, you know, but again, we're back in this world where they cannot expand. They're trying to do the best of what they have with basically a shrinking network and an increasing portfolio.
1: So, if you had you know one or two or three items that you would you would leave folks with, um, the lenders in particular, um, just closing thoughts on the critical points that you would want want someone to take from from this panel
4: I think so I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, I think one of the big things is try to figure out how to get your work at the top of the clipboard you know it's It's not just a forwarder thing it's a it's a lender thing and I think the agents are really looking to see who that client is you know where the compensations coming from are they easy to work for Um, and I think that's really gonna be the point I'll touch on is how do we work together to get your work to the top of that clipboard because
3: that's really the name of the game just for clarity, and I think Jeremy Cross here is the first person explained it to me. But I think how the evaluation is, uh, uh, is is being looked at at the recovery agents is it's the total amount of revenue divided by the number of assignments you send. They don't really actually care how much you're paying per recovery, right? It's about how much they make for the effort they put into it, and that's how they're really prioritizing their work and what order, what you know, how you know, maybe it's how many runs you get, or whether I even accept the assignment at all. Um, and so they're looking at all those. So it could be. You know, uh, I think one thing that has been, I think, more popular now is is <clears throat> sorry, is blanket fees on on allowing people to make keys uh, without having to stop and ask a bunch of times or uh, trying to smooth the process along or look, if you're a good transporting the vehicle off. Look, those things like those things matter to the recovery agents. So, uh, but that is that, but that's the calculation they're using to prioritize the work out there.
2: I think you've got um, right now a really a lot of really smart agents who understand their numbers, um, who understand um, some of the challenges that they face, and I, I think it's imperative that uh, lenders, you know, kind of take all that in and, and understand um, what the market is really like out there right now. Um, I think you know any any kind of improvements in technology you can do with communication. Um, there's been a lot of. Uh, comments around storage and transport right now. I think this is a huge pain point for agents. So um, encourage a lot of communication, um, you know, and some creativity too. It's, we've, we've got to find some new ways to address these problems.
1: Yeah, we, we got very creative during, during COVID about how to address a lot of things that we never thought we would be having to address. So it feels like if, you know, we take that creativity and that innovation and apply it to some of these issues that maybe we would be on to something. I don't know uh, John or Justin or J.J, if you want to um, comment on, is the number of agents, is, is that still decreasing or is that kind of flattened out? or can you speak to that staffing level?:
4: I think it's kind of hard to tell. I was uh, at a conference and I saw some numbers uh, about two weeks ago. Um, you know, uh, I think RDN had it out or maybe it was DRN, but it, it showed how many new agencies were coming online, and it wasn't very many. You know, it was more than what I thought it was going to be, um, but it, it's, it's really
3: hard to say. I mean, tough landscape, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're still seeing that. If, not, if it's not stagnant, it's still declining. Right. And I think just, we, we still see it all the time. You know, agent goes out of business or, you know, or just I really actually I think what's happening more often than is they have the equipment already and they're just reallocating their resources to something that is more profitable, such as towing cars and doing city tows or private tows and things like that. And so that's, and that's what's happening, so.
1: Well, we are nearing the end of our time. Any closing thoughts from our panel before we break here? Ladies first. i okay. I'm good. Don't. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your, your contributions today. It's been um, wonderful getting to know you all and hearing your, um, hearing your stories and your information and sharing. And I appreciate it so much. And um, just can't thank you enough. So thank you, thank you. everyone. Appreciate A- it.
0: Excellent job, uh, each of our panelists. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Auto Remarketing podcast that originated from Use Car Week 2023 in Scottsdale, Arizona. And if you've missed any of our past episodes of the podcast, just go to our website at autoremarketing.com and click on the podcast box to find our library of past episodes or simply subscribe through whichever platform you get your podcasts. For fellow hosts, Bill Zedites, Joe Overby, and Andy Freelander, as well as our fantastic executive producer, Matt Rice. I'm Nick Zulovich. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you again next time on the Auto Remarketing Podcast. Supercharge your deal building experience with Accelerate My Deal when connected across Autotrader and KBB.com listings and dealer.com websites. It helps deliver predictive
1: and personalized experiences for you and your consumers. Book your NADA demo today.